Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Many of you may know this already. We're actually in the middle of our, our That'll Preach series. That'll Preach. It's, it's basically a series of messages where we realize the goal that God has smuggled into Hollywood movies. And so today, as we continue on that track, we're going to have a message packed with gold from our very own campus pastor, Pastor Matt Togo. Come on, church. And so as we get ready to jump into it, why don't you guys take a seat and watch the movie clip? Let's go. Hurry, boss, for Christ's sake, hurry. What happened? Sir, the override has been overridden. I bought us a couple of minutes, so get that radio working, okay? Hurry, hurry. Bring me all the way up for just a... Blow me and my friends up, is that it? Listen. Shut up! Shut up, Colonel. I'm talking now. It could start again. It might have been a warning. Uh-oh. That's why you were gonna dismantle this bomb. All right. What did we miss? Do it again. Go. Keep trying. Sir, I need to cease and desist. I need your terminal now. They're reactivating the bomb. Coming back online, sir. Oh, jeez. Here we go again. What are you doing up here? Why did you even bother to make the trip? To do the right thing, to see that it's done. For God's sakes, think about what you're doing. Why are you listening to someone that's 100,000 miles away? We're here. Nobody down there can help us. If we don't get this job done, everybody's gone. One minute. I've been drilling holes in the earth for 30 years, and I have never, never missed a depth that I have aimed for. And by God, I am not going to miss this one. I will make 800 feet. 42 seconds. But I can't do it alone, Colonel. I need your help. You swear on your daughter's life, on my family's, that you can hit that mark. I will make 800 feet. I swear to God I will. And let's turn this bomb off. Steady, steady. Take it back. 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 Steady, steady. Go, go, go. Red wire A. Ready? And now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Negative B. Ready? Good job. Do a good job. Track flip. Hot's in. It better be go. Red or blue? Ready? 
job. Sucks up here. Sir, the clock has stopped at three seconds. What? Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Thought a little adrenaline rush was the right way to start the morning. That is one, I forget how much I love that movie. Honestly, that is one of the best movies ever. I'm going to watch it later today. Thank you, Jesus. By the way, if you don't cry during that movie, you need to check and make sure your soul's alive because yes. the part where he says bye to his daughter, oh my goodness. Anyway, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Armageddon, you need to see it. Need to see that movie. Such a good movie. Well, we're in our That'll Preach series, and uh, you might be wondering, where's the gospel in that? <laughs> Besides them saying Jesus and God a lot, you notice people use prayer language when things get intense, Christian or not. <laughs> People will use that language, but uh, today I want to talk about a thing that can creep into a Christian's life that just like in that movie, if left unturned off, will cause detriment and ultimately sabotage God's intention for your life. In fact, I would argue it is like a nuclear bomb in a Christian's life, and some Christians are never confronted on this issue and thus can't figure out why their world keeps blowing up on them while things keep... And so today, as we open with that clip, I wanted to use this clip to help you lean into the magnitude of what I want to talk to today and recognize that although Jesus has done all the heavy lifting, he did all the work, he has given us grace, and he has made a way for us to be completely forgiven, completely set free. We cannot earn his love, we cannot earn his acceptance, we cannot earn his uh, approval. We are approved through Jesus. But there are behaviors in our life that'll sabotage the promises that God has in this life. Your eternity can be secure while your current state can be in dysfunction. And the Holy Spirit, that's why Jesus, when he left, he said, by the way, it's good that I leave because I'm going to send you a counselor. What's a counselor's job? To counsel you, to grow you. If, if, if the Calvinist mindset is absolutely true, why need a counselor? If everything is already predetermined, exactly what you'll do, exactly what, why need a counselor? Yes, to God, in God's vision, God knows all, sees all, he's not in time. But for us, he didn't hand us that card. We live in a life in a world where we get to choose to partner with the Holy Spirit to grow into the destiny he has for us, or we can choose to not. And this issue I want to talk about today is critical to the faith walk with Jesus. And now I want to preface it this. This is a, uh, a thing that I'm going to put a seed in you to keep yourself in check, we can slip in and out of this. In fact, if I was honest, the funny thing is I'm preaching on this topic this week, and this week I kind of stunk at it. I was a bit of a butthole this week to my wife, and, and now I'm realizing that I'm like, oh, I was going to preach on a thing, so maybe I was just refining myself. So if I give you a, you know, a, little, a little cross, a little gut check, it's out of love, and I'm preaching to the choir here. Amen. Jesus' name. Come on. The title of my message is Critical Mass. The term critical mass comes from actually physics, and it means the minimum amount of fissile material, which is like material that can be broken apart, needed to maintain a nuclear chain reaction. 
critical mass. And the topic, the thing I want to talk about today is the critical spirit. Becoming a critical person or a critical spirit. And if you put enough criticism in the mix, I promise you, your life will reach critical mass and you will start to see a chain reaction that you do not want to see. Things will start to become undone in your life and fall apart and eventually explode if the critical spirit is not kept in check. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just do an altar call now. That's all you need right there. Don't be critical. Don't be critical. Can I tell you why criticism is so not gospel? Think how Jesus meets us. I mean, when I came to Jesus, I was a hot mess on legs. I I mean, it was dysfunction. I mean, my primary, you know, your core values. My core values when I met Jesus were parties, football, and Jesus. Our parties, football, not Jesus. (laughs) Parties, football, I can't even remember. Girls, thank you. Baby, look at you, babe. You've impacted me so much, I forgot one of my old core values. I only want one girl now. But that... Those are my core values. And now Jesus could have came in and met me right at that place, and he could have been critical. Oh, my goodness. You, boy, you were raised in church. Your parents, you were sleeping on pews when you were five. You know the truth. You know better. That's not the life you want. You've been to vacation Bible school every year since you were three. Okay? You can sing God told Noah to build him an archy-archy by memory. Come on again. The OG Christian's like, eh. The new Christian's like, what? (laughs) I came to Jesus a mess. And you know, when I first encountered him, he used a verse that convicted me. He did bring conviction. He said, hey, I want you to choose. Revelations 3, be hot or cold, but you're lukewarm and I want to spit that out. And that hit me. But then I looked to Jesus. He didn't come with my laundry list of things that were wrong. He just came and said, hey, you know that wrong? If you give it to me, I'll begin to make it right. There was zero criticism. There was zero judgment. There was acceptance and love when I met Jesus. And then for me to take that goodness, to take the washing and the erasing of my mistakes and my sins, to take this broken, messed up teenager and begin to roll out a purpose and destiny for him, and then I would respond to others with a critical spirit, looking for what's wrong with them, looking for their errors, looking for where they need to grow, uh, where they need to grow, but not out of love, out of a place of, of my needing them to be this for this, or my using them for this or that, or needing them to look a certain way to make me look better, all that. That is so not the gospel. And so to, with, with the, what God has given me, I want to respond to people in the right way. Now, before I get into this, I do want to bring a caveat because, unfortunately, the church, there's a balance here, and I just want to caveat this. Now, if you struggle with being critical, you're probably not going to struggle on this side, but, but we can, is that the church sometimes in the do not judge lane has become impotent to tell people what's right and wrong. And that is not what this message is. The coexist sticker, I'm sorry, that's, no, that's a bunch of baloney. That's not working. They, they are in, there is one way to God, 
And anyways, I won't go down that too much, but the woke uh, tolerance is not saying everything is okay and I don't think anything's wrong. Tolerance is saying even if I disagree with the way you're doing it, I I love you as a person, but I also in love for a person won't, if they, if they, if I have a relationship with somebody, if I have poured love into them and I see them doing something that's hurting them, I will not be a coward to out of, out of self-preservation, not tell my friend, not tell my brother, not tell my sister, hey, you thinking about cheating on your wife? That's a bad idea. Not coming in and say, well, if that's what you want, I'm not going to judge. No, no, no. That's a terrible idea. Don't do that. Right? So I want to bring a caveat. If you use tolerance as an excuse to not love your friends into the truth, uh, that's not what I'm preaching here today. The, Bi- the Bible and the Word of God is meant to instruct. It's a, it's a blueprint on how to live life. And when it says to do something one way and we do it another way, that will lead you in a place you don't want to be. Always. Always. Doing it not God's way. There's a reason God built the way he did. The same as when I go on this beautiful canyons. I can't wait. We're like one month from the leaves turning. It's going to get wild. You know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, we were in the Alpine Loop last year in October 1. I had to remind my wife to breathe because she's hanging out the sunroof. She was so enamored with the colors that she forgot to breathe. So I was like, babe, you have to breathe. And she says, so beautiful, I'm going to die, you know. And so, (laughs) but as I'm driving on these loops and I get to a steep cliff edge, I've never looked at the guardrails and gone, man, I'm really disappointed in the state of Utah for ruining my view. How dare they tell me I should stay on this road with this guardrail? Their judgment, how offensive. No, I'll go where I did it my way, you know? No, no, no. That guardrail is there for a reason. God gives us guardrails. God gives you the guardrails of sex in the confines of marriage because outside of marriage, it bonds your soul to something. There's no commitment. There's no covenant. Ooh, wow, it got quiet. Uh Uh-oh, okay. (laughs) God gives you these guardrails because he loves you. He loves you. What's that have to do with critical? Oh, yeah. Don't go into the so. Don't let uh, a lack of critical make you think that there's not truth in absolute right and wrong. There is. There is. And one of the devils trying to dismantle people and saying, just tell them that Jesus loves them. Never talk about the things that are hurting them and killing them. That's not love. So hit that side of it. Now let's get back to the critical spirit. Okay? Because some people in, in our criticalness feel that God has ordained them to be the problem solver, and by problem solver, I mean problem finder in every situation. Oh, you just had an idea? I have three problems with it. And I will tell you right away what is going to block it and how it won't work. No one has ever been paid to be a chief problem finder. That has never been a role on an executive board. You can be a problem fixer, But a problem finder is useless, is useless. So what happens when we slip into a critical spirit? Now listen, you can get in a critical spirit about anything. You can be a critical spirit about your spouse. Always yelling at them, I wish you'd do more, and then they do something. You did it wrong! (laughs) So what's that person do? Well, I better not try to do that again. So I'll go back to not doing. 
and you're frustrated because they're not doing enough, but then when they do it, you criticize them for how they did it and why they did it and when they did it and if they did it. And, all this, and then you're complaining to your friends, like, how come my spouse doesn't take more responsibility or step up to the plea? Well, well they get their head bit off every time they do. Or maybe at church, man, they didn't play my favorite song. I haven't heard Oceans in months. I wish the worship team knew what songs I liked. <clears throat> and that pastor, he moves around too much. They don't even let him have a handheld mic because he won't sit still. <coughs> we can turn it on church. We can turn it on at work. Always the one when the boss comes with a new strategy or new idea, you're always the one who pushes against the change and just points out, well, what about and, and this and, and that and that critical spirit. It's actually costing you something. I want to talk about three things that the critical spirit will cost you. Point number one. You'll lose your voice. You'll have a loss of your voice. There's this guy named Zacharias in the Bible, and he gets some good news. He's, been, he's a high priest. He's been wanting to have a king, and he finds out, or having a kid, not a king. Uh, he wanted to have a kid, and he finds out from the angel Gabriel, says, hey, you're going to have a kid. His name's going to be John the Baptist, and, and he's going to be anointed by God for a season. And we find in Luke 1, 18, 19, Zacchaeus' response and what happens to him. Let me go to this right here. Luke 1, 18 through 19. And Zacchaeus said to the angel, how shall... Oh, Zacharias, sorry. Zacchaeus is the short guy in the tree. <laughs> Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these Glad tidings. I think he really emphasized that. He's like, I'm bringing you good news. Whiner, complainer. I'm telling you the thing you've been wanting is going to happen, and your response is, I'm old. And so he says, he says, I'm bringing you glad tidings, but behold, you'll be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. Listen, God will remove your voice if you carelessly curse what he has blessed. He will remove your voice if you carelessly curse what he has blessed. Gabriel realized instantly, whoa, this guy's not, we've got a baby in here that for nine months is gonna grow in mommy's womb and needs to grow the way God intended, not, not be filled with doubt and be integrated with these words we just heard, not be like, well, we're glad we had a baby, but wish we weren't this old, just the criticalness. And so God says, we're gonna shut his mouth so he can't curse what I'm gonna bless until my word has been fulfilled. And so he silences his voice. And if you go read this chapter, you can check it for yourself, but for sake of time, once John is born and once he names him what the angel told him, he does what God said. He said his name will be John. His voice is released and what comes out of his mouth is a completely different testimony. He goes on in this song, this holy song about how God is getting ready to do a, a move in the earth and that John will usher in this move. He begins to prophesy and speak life over his son. And I'm telling you, God will mute or we'll lose your voice of influence yeah. if, our, if we curse what he's trying to bless. Yeah. 
So if you want to see your influence decrease, here's what you can do. Complain to your spouse about your spouse. You'll lose, you'll lose a voice with your spouse. Maybe some of you, and I, I'm saying this because I want to bring healing, but maybe some of you are feeling like, man, my spouse just walks around lifeless in the house. They come home and they're quiet. And they're, they're, they seem to be in a shell. Just do inventory. How, what's your ratio of compliments to critiques? What's your ratio? What's your honest ratio? Because all psychology says it should be about 20 to 1. So for every one critique you give your spouse, you should have 20 encouraging things you've said to them. That's where people thrive and are. Now listen, if I'm hitting you hard, I told you, I, was not, I did not have a good ratio this week. You can ask my wife to prove it. She had to sit me down, I think it was Saturday or Friday, and be like, hey, you just stop being mean. <laughs> so we can slip into this so easy, but our ratio should be high but watch what happens. If, you, if you're always coming down your spouse, the spouse will shut down. If you're always hard on your kids, if it's never enough, if they get a, uh, a minus and you bring up a why isn't an A plus, if you're, you know, they score a goal at soccer, but you talk about the two that they missed, whatever it is, if we, if we come with a critical spirit, it crushes people. It crushes people. And here's what, it's natural. People will, you know, in, in the desire to have control, this is the brutal cycle. You'll, if you get in a critical spirit, you will inherently push people away and you'll see your voice losing its influence, which will then all the more spark this fear and control in you, so you'll yell all the more louder and it's a ruthless cycle and you're asking, how come my boss never listens to me at work? How come my team isn't showing up when I rostered them? How come this, how come that? Why is this not happening the way I saw? Let's take inventory. Do we have a critical spirit? How come I'm never happy with the church that I go to? Wow. There's only one common denominator in all the churches you've gone to. You. <laughs> you. <laughs> the critical spirit, we've got to remove it. Because as long as it's there, our influence on our full potential of our voice is removed. There's an old saying, people don't, know, don't care what you know till they know that you care. Yeah. To the people in your world, at your work, at your house, at your job, in your neighborhood, do they feel, wow, this person really cares about me? You can say gnarly things to people when they know that you're for them. Honestly, you can say things, you can bring up stuff that everyone else in the world, if you brought up, it'd be like, you know, like just... <laughs> But if, you have, if you've broken the barrier because you are an encourager and a believer in people, you want to be a good leader, be a servant leader. Know what your people's blocks are. Know what their obstacles are. Know the battles they're going through. Speak life and life and life. And then when you maybe have to make a, a, a tweak, a tweak, it can be heard because it might hurt in the moment, but you know where it's coming from because that person, because your spouse. Listen, this will work in marriage. If you're sitting here and you're going, ay, this hurts, you know, and I, I can go on the other side uh, for the, in most marriages, there's somebody who tends to be a little more type A and a bit of a driver. And then there's somebody who to balance it kind of goes, let's go with the flow, you know, and, and, and the go with the flow people like, you know, if the criticism resists, do lean into, huh, 
I could step up a little more and all that. So help, help each other as spouses, right? We want to help each other, but ultimately the critical spirit, if it can get in one area of your life, if you can get an offense and bitterness at church or your connect group, you will find that if it goes unchecked, it is like a nuclear bomb. It's not going to be contained to just one thing. If that thing goes off, all of a sudden, every area of your life. And here's the honest truth. Can we go one level deeper? This might help. The level you measure others is probably the measure that you use on yourself. And the truth is, God will even get frustrated with how you talk to yourself. I had the Holy Spirit tell me one time, if anyone else talked about you the way you talk about you, I would be mad. Ooh, let that sink in. If anyone else talked about you the way you talk about you, would God be happy with that? Because he loves you. He loves you. Okay, so don't lose your voice. So how do we fix it? You say, okay, how do I fix this? We're going to hit a couple things, but I want hit, to hit this verse. It's so good. Matthew 7, 1 through 8. First is the warning, right? Judge not that you not be judged. For what the judgment you judge, you will be judged. The measure you use will be measured back to you. And with the measure you use, will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank in your own eye? Hypocrite. Jesus is coming hard right now. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, this is an interesting interjection right here. I spent a lot of time praying on this. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast pearls before swine, lest they trample them under the feet and turn and tear you into pieces. As Jesus hits this judgment thing, he throws this little line in because as you read this, a lot of people, you'll have a dichotic thing going on in your head. One, hopefully you ask yourself, where's the plank in my eye? Where's, am I having judgment? But two, you can't help it. You probably start thinking about people that have judged you, right? You probably start thinking about critical people in your world. Here's the gnarly thing about criticism. It's usually caught and taught. If you're critical, it's often because you were in an atmosphere growing up of criticism. That or total lack of control, and so you develop the criticism to bring control into your world. Those are usually the two common. There's other things that can cause it. No Christian's immune to getting critical, especially in an excellence culture. So at our church, I want things to be excellent. I want, you know, we've got the best sound crew back there. These guys just bring it. It's not like this room is a concert hall designed for perfect acoustics, but they find a way to bring it every, every day. And I want them to be excellent, but I never want us to slip into critical because the excellence is about empowering people to reach their potential in God. And if we become critical and we're willing to mow over people to get the thing we want, we've lost the whole point. The point is people. The point has always been people. Jesus is people. And so uh, going to this don't give to holy what is holy. This goes back to losing your voice. The Bible's saying, hey, don't throw out your ideas to critical people. 
You've got a dream in your heart. You've got a business idea. You've got like, I'm going to, you know, you've got some goals. Like I'm going to lose 30 pounds. Don't go talk to a critical person. Don't, I mean, they're like dream suckers, man. You're like, you know, like, oh, I could see us doing this. And then pop, pop, pop. And you're just like, well, deflated, deflated. No, you want to talk to people that are faith people, people that look at you and go, you know what? It's crazy, but it just might work. Give it a go. I want to live a faith life. I want to live a life filled with faith. And, and as much as I love you, until you fix the critical spirit, I can't give you my ideas. I can't give you my pearls. And the Bible gives permission to do that. Don't do it. That doesn't mean I'm like, you know, I walk by the critical people in church and I don't say anything to them. I ignore them. I try to love them. But you're not going to be on my leadership team if you're critical. You're not going to be uh, holding a high-level team serving. You're not going to step into it if there's a critical spirit about you. And it's not hard to see. All I got to do is share like three or four ideas with you. And if you've shot down every single one before even dreaming with me. Okay, little caveat. There are different personalities. Some of you, God made you to be an engineer. And engineers, by design, fix problems. So you might have a hard bend to see the potential roadblocks coming down the road. The question, but just like, I, so let me use another example, another world. God made me with a sense of humor, and I am super sarcastic. If you're wondering what's going through my head when you're talking to me, most of the time, I'm filtering out the jokes that I shouldn't say. <laughs> Honestly, in the most inappropriate times, I am trying my best. Jesus, don't let me joke right now. Don't, I am sarcastic by nature. I see, and I, I have like that comedian dark humor, like... Like, I can get in the thing, I'm like, you know? And just because I have that ability doesn't mean I use it. And I know when to use it. And I've learned how to use it. I don't want to make jokes that t attack your character or attack who you are or, put, or attack your insecurities. I want to use my jokes to make us laugh at the simplicity of, of, of that we're all very similar, you know, and that we all got our ish. And so I try to calibrate my gift. Listen, if you are by nature a, a critical thinker, you've got to calibrate that. You can't use, well, God just made me that way. I'm a fixer. I'm a doer. You know, husbands, try that out for a while. Oh, I just, I fix your problems. <laughs> Crash. You have no voice. <laughs> In fact, your voice, you, you are now, your voice is the anti, you know, it's just, it's how we crash the plane. So listen, you might have a critical eye and when, and you know what, some of the most brilliant companies in the world, if you look at them, there was always some crazy CEO who's coming up with these crazy ideas, but always there is an amazing executor, a CFO, a COO, that is makes the dream possible. And some of you that maybe have a critical mind, God has made you an executor that can actually implement these beautiful plans. And you're robbing the kingdom of God by not knowing when to use your critical eye and your critical voice. You're robbing the kingdom of God because you're going to be bypassed and your good ideas will not get listened to because you respond initially with criticism instead of recognizing I'll have time to fix this later. Right now, I'm just going to speak life and celebrate. Come on, is this helping anybody? I don't want to knock people that have the critical eye. If your spouse has that critical eye and can fix almost any problem, 
You can become, if somebody's critical, you can become critical of that. You know, it's just a cycle. Now you're critical, they're critical, it's critical spiral down. Let's begin to see the beauty, but focus the beauty in the right way. So how do we fix this? How do we fix this? Remember that it's caught. It's caught. A critical spirit's caught. So one way you can fix it is get around people that aren't critical. And be quiet. Catch that second part. (laughs) If you have not learned to speak the language of faith, get around people that speak it and don't talk. Because if you're if you just bleh, then what happens? You lose your voice. And people are like, I can't share these pearls with you. Get around people and fill your life with people. People that almost agitate you with their optimism. You know those people? You're like, good gosh, man. You get punched in the face and thank God it wasn't your stomach. Like you're just, you're so optimistic. You're so positive. Listen, you need those people in your world. Yeah, thank you, baby. Thank you. I do, I do get in trouble for, I just sing randomly. I'm going to confess. I'm running around singing all the time, and my wife has a, a no do, doobie-doo rules in our house. I'm literally not allowed to go, skip it a wap bop If I do that, triggered, triggered. I'm that optimist. I could, I could. Man, my scat game is level 10. I was... I was born like 80 years too late. <laughs> Look at him. Skip it a wap bap dee bap 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 See, I won't do that at the 11. Oh, no, get out of here. You two are going to DNA next week. You're done. Pastor Andy and Rich, you guys are going to DNA. You're done for the night. I wouldn't do that at the 11, but the nine, you get the uncut. You get the raw. So how do we break it? You know, when you read your Bible and chapters and different like subtitles come up, remember that in the original letter, it's important to come in and out. Sometimes the author, just to help kind of break it up, will put now this subject, but Jesus was doing it continuously. And I believe that his thought pattern was going down a road And the next thing he says right after, don't be critical, don't judge, the measure you use, get the plank out of your eye, critical people are like throwing pearls to swine. Then he says this in verse 7 of Matthew 7, says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. And then it says, you being a bad father knows how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will your father in heaven give you good gifts? Here's the point. To break it, you've got to get back in communication with the good father. You want to break the critical spirit off. Make sure that your time with God is intimated and protected. Always take self-inventory with God. You know, the greatest thing I've ever, I've probably learned in my discipleship track, honestly, this is one of the most helpful things that has helped me grow, is when somebody triggers me or I get mad, the first question I ask, what inside me is, is triggered by this? What issue in me is making this really agitate me? Doesn't mean that that person didn't wrong, but to have a default of saying, hold up, why is this bugging me so much? To ask that question first is a great way. Take self-inventory. Number, number three, deal with your ish first. 
Deal with your stuff first. If you're fighting a perpetual fight with somebody or at work, you're, you know, deal with yourself first. Always go to the Holy Spirit is a counselor for you. And so he, the Holy Spirit that God will give to another believer is the counselor for them. If I'm speaking into something with somebody, I just want to partner with the Holy Spirit's already doing, not become Holy Spirit Junior jumping out of every corner and be like, are you sinning? Are you sinning? Is this sin? You know? One time, and I've been camped out at Rich's house ever since. <laughs> Finally, get your prayer life activated. Oh, yes. Learn to pray. You know, learning how to pray is one of the greatest tools to check your language. Do you pray like a victim? It'll all come out when you pray. Do you pray like a beloved prince or, or a princess of the king, or do you pray like a beggar? Learn to pray. Okay. Next one, we're gonna go here. Uh, point number two, there it is. Number two, what do critical spirit do? It'll delay your promise. Right. It'll delay your promise. Hebrews 3, 16 through 19 says this. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned? whose corpses lay in the wilderness, and whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? Yep. Now check this. So we will see that because of their unbelief, yeah. they were not able to enter his rest, or in this passage of scripture, he's talking about the promised land. Wow. God's plan for Israel was delayed for 40 years because of a critical spirit. Because they couldn't see past the critical, the things that could have been better or should have been more the way they liked it. They couldn't see past it. And, and God cannot bless what, the, what they will curse. And so he had to wait a whole generation, unfortunately, to weed out the slave out of the Israel. For 400 years, the Israel people have been a slave nation. And he can't, that, that's, uh, slavery is a disgusting thing because it, it will integrate a victim mindset into people. Control will create victims, and God can't bless victims because victims are, are, will then magnify their victimness and end up back in a worse slavery when that blessing is on them. He knew that it says in the Bible that if he gave and let them go in, they would have first battle, they would have bent a knee and said, hey, we'll just be your slaves. We're used to being it for Pharaoh. We can do this for you. We're really good at it. We've got great brick making skills. We've been doing this for 400 years. They would have, and God couldn't move them into what he had for them. It's because the critical spirit always sees the problem, not the solution. These people had to go into a promised land that was filled with enemies. Every single mile they went, had a problem that they were going to fix. God equipped them to fix it, was gonna help them to fix it, but because the critical spirit only sees problems, doesn't see solutions or opportunities, he knew they would never survive that test. And so he had to weed that out. And control is what births the spirit. So that's what I wanna hit on for a minute. Control is what births and maintains the critical spirit. That's why... Uh, the author of Hebrews says that their disobedience was their unbelief. Unbelief. 
Unbelief is behind the critical spirit. Hey, we can do this. No, we can't. Unbelief. Hey, God could do this. No, we can't. Unbelief. Hey, this would look cooler. Oh, but... This would be better. Uh, 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 uh. We cannot go any further because belief is required of a Christian. That's the, that's the entryway into this lifestyle. How did you become a Christian? You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and that was the beginning. You need belief even more to walk out the rest of it. You need belief even more. And so the critical spirit should only be, actually, first, you shouldn't have the spirit but the critical eye is only turned on a problem after we have decided this is where we're going. See, the people in their critical spirit did not believe it was possible to take the promised land. And that's the differentiator. In fact, going back to the story of Zechariah, you know what's interesting? Right after that, Mary gets visited by the angel. And she has a question too. And the angel has zero problems with the question. The difference is, is Zechariah questions if it was possible. He said, how would I know? How can I know this? Mary questioned, God, how are you going to do it? You see the difference? Go, you can go read it. Mary said, she says, how are you going to do it? Because I've never even known a man. She's just pointing out, God, okay, you said I'm going to get pregnant, but there's a part of that process that I have not participated in. So I'm just kind of curious. I think she was just kind of like, I'd like to know how I'm going to get pregnant. Like, that's a fair question. But doesn't doubt if she's going to get pregnant. Just how. And God says, I can give you some hows. But when you challenge my word with an if, when you challenge it with a doubt, God's got to circle the promise again. Darn it. Darn it, I wanted to give him that promotion. But I don't want them to get fired. And if they keep that critical spirit and they go up another level, they will lose their job. So I have to block their promotion. Darn it, I wanted them to be able to do ministry together in this new opportunity. But if I put them in that opportunity, the pressure and people and everything, the extra weight, the criticism's gonna kill the partner and so I can't yet. I can't yet. It'll delay. So how do we get out of that? Recognize that the root issue comes back to belief. The devil's always worked in this. This is his favorite area to work. Day one of him messing with us, did God really say? If I can just get you to doubt what God said, to curse what he said, I can win. I'm going to bring the band up. We're going to round third here. The final thing, and this one's pretty quick, is the critical spirit will steal your rest back to Hebrews 4 it says in verse 3 it says for only for only we who believe can enter his rest you know why the critical spirit is so terrible it's because it pulls you out of trust I said in the beginning that often the level we use on others is the level we use on ourselves. and that might help you when you encounter critical people just to realize wow that hurt and they're hurting 
man, they really, they hold themselves to that level? That seems miserable. It gives you a grace, a grace to stand your ground, a grace to believe in people. I've never met a critical person that I couldn't believe that God could heal that, fix that, and restore that. And like I said, behind there is a gift targeted in the right area at the right time. And the right area in the right time is brilliant. And I need people to have a critical eye on my team. I just can't have them turn the critical eye on me. I don't have critical eye for a solution. Where's the solution? I won't let go until I find the solution. I have to find the solution. And I'm believing that if God said we're gonna do this, if God said we're gonna pack a thousand people in this building, what's the solution? How are we gonna do that? Well, is that three services? And what does that mean for teams? You get what I'm saying? It's, it's turning the eye to the solution. How do, how do I switch this? God, I don't wanna be critical. I don't want my voice to be silenced. I don't wanna not be able to rest. I don't wanna block my prayers. God, how can I fix this? Well, the cure to unbelief is belief. And how do you get belief? Faith. And how do you get faith? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, you are a very smart person because you came to church today. You came to hear the word of God preached today. You came to get it in your soul. You came to worship God. You're a very smart person if you read your Bible on the daily. This walk was not meant to be somebody else doing the heavy lifting for you. Jesus did all the lifting. Now you gotta be in relationship. I can't give you a relationship with Jesus. I can introduce you to him, but you have to partner with him. Faith come by hearing. How are you gonna hear the word of God if you never read the word of God? What are you listening to in your car as you're driving to work? Are you listening to talk radio that brings useless gossip about celebrities? Or maybe could your, could your car become a Bible college and could it have sermons in it? Could it have the Awaken app in it? Hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of God. Be strong and courageous. Look, behind critical is usually fear. If something scares you, I tend to, I'm, I've almost be, <laughs> be careful if you tell me something scares you because I instantly, my brain goes, cool, we're gonna make you do that. Like, because that's kind of my life. You know, you're like, oh, I'm so scared to pray. Oh, you're doing Book of Miracles next week. Here we go. You can ask my team if that's not true. I, I like, I, because I know that right at the point of fear is also the point where faith can be activated. And, and so lean into your fear. Well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I give up control in this area, that, you know, the person will let me down or they'll drop the ball. Well, here's the honest truth. Initially, they probably will because for so long they've never done this thing because you've held it too tight. So they probably will. But can you trust that if you'll release the thing, can you trust that God sees you? God sees you. And even though he's, you're giving it to another person, if you're doing it for him, his protection, his provision, you'll slip into his rest. All we really can really truly control, don't lie to yourself. You cannot control other people. You can manipulate them for a while until the ticker reaches zero. And then that's why you see these marriages 20 years, you never heard of anything, and then you can manipulate it for a while. But the only person you can actually control is your response and your reaction with you and God. That's it. 
That's where, that's where your true control is. So this facade that you think you're holding it all together with your criticism, and you know, it, it's a facade. And that ticker's counting down. You never really had control. But when you give it to God, that's your point of peace. That's where the control, you're giving control. Say, God, put this in your hands. As for me, I want to search my soul, get the planks out of my eyes, grow into the person you have, watch God's goodness. I'm telling you, you create an ecosystem. You can create an ecosystem. Proverbs 20, I'm speaking to you if you struggle with being critical. Listen to this verse, and this is where we're going to land. Proverbs 11:25. The generous soul shall be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Change the script. Every time, and I'm talking to the people that want to make a shift, just for a season, turn off criticism and turn on encouragement. Be generous with encouragement. Maybe for a while, you got to be 40 to 1 or 50 to 1 in your encouragement to a critique. But begin to just lavish the people in your world. Go back to work and stop criticizing. Start being generous with encouragement. Hey, I saw that report you did. That was amazing. Great job to your spouse. Babe, the house is so clean. Oh my gosh, thank you. This is awesome. Begin to find and look. Train your mind. Speak encouragement, speak encouragement. And I'm telling you, watch what happens. You'll see a shift. And your greatest fears, you'll find that all along, God wanted to bring you into the promise of you not having to live in fear. But in faith, he's a good father. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, did this help anybody today? I know I needed it. As a Christian, if you can become really good at weeding your own garden, you'll find that you'll have the grace to help people not from a critical spirit, but from a place of discipleship and encouragement. From a place of discipleship and encouragement. I believe in you. You're awesome. And that's why I'm bringing this up today. God can shift the script. Right now, I'm gonna have everyone bow their head and close their eyes. Listen, if you have felt, and no, no judgment, but if you have felt like, man, I've slipped into a critical spirit, I've been critical at work. I've been critical at home. I've been critical at church. And if you're ready to just say, God, today, I want to let that go. I want to give that to you. Take away my unbelief and fear and replace it with trust in you. If that's you, I'm going to have everyone's head and eyes closed. I want to pray over you right now and break that off of you. Listen, and my hand's up in a couple areas too. I just want you to know I'm gonna be praying over myself. But if that's you, you wanna break the critical spirit off of you today, will you just lift your hand in the air real quick with everyone's head down, eyes closed, lots of hands. Lots of hands. Thank you, Jesus. You're not alone. Come on, now just receive this. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that nothing is out of your reach of restoring and fixing God. God, thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and a sound mind, God.
And God, that we can trust you, Lord. We can trust you with our life. Lord, I break the spirit of unbelief, backing that critical eye, backing that criticism. We break the spirit of unbelief. You are a good God. You said you're the author and finisher of our faith. You're not gonna quit on us. You're gonna deliver us. You're gonna set us free. You have good things in store for us. You have a promised land set up for us. And God, right now we break and we renounce the spirit of criticism, Lord, the critical spirit. And we ask for love, trust, and peace to come into our lives. And God, may we be washing people with encouragement. May our ratio be off the chart, 30 to 1, 40 run of compliment over critique. And God, we just declare a shift and a trust. And right away, it might look different, it might be scary, but God, we know that by doing it your way, by not controlling, by not manipulating, that you will bring a blessing into our life. And if you believe that, church, I want you to say amen right now. Give them a clap. Thank you, Jesus. Last thing, we never want to end church without giving somebody an opportunity. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, oh my goodness, I need, I need Jesus. Maybe you've been really critical on yourself because you don't know a Savior who already loves and accepts you, who takes you as you are, but loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Everybody's head bowed and eyes closed one more time. If you need to ask Jesus into your heart, maybe for the first time, or maybe you need to come back to Jesus. You've been doing it in your own strength, and today you say, man, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior and my Lord, meaning you're in the driver's seat, God. If that's you, I'm just going to want to pray with you real quick. And so I'm going to ask you, everyone's head bowed, eyes closed. Will you just raise your hand so I know who I'm including in the prayer? I'm going to pray. I want to include you in that prayer. Thank you. I see your hand. Once you've seen your hand, you can put it down. Anyone else want to be included in that prayer? Thank you. I see that hand. Amazing. Anyone else? Anyone else? I feel like there's one more person. Thank you. I see that hand. Amazing. I see your hand. Awesome. For the three or four that raised your hand, I'm going to lead us on a prayer. I'm going to have everyone pray this out loud. If you raised your hand, I want you to pray this out loud with everyone else and mean it from your heart. And you watch what Jesus will do. The Bible calls this being born again, if it's your first time, or just putting him back in the driver's seat. Either way, I promise you, you're going to see the goodness of God begin to flow in your life. You're going to see your heart change, and you're not going to want to be critical. But you're actually going to want to be an encourager, to want to be a blessing. So church, pray this out loud together with me. Dear Jesus, this morning, I surrender. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Come into me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I repent of my sins, and I ask you to forgive me. And I believe, because your word says that you are washing me now, that I'm completely forgiven completely loved and completely restored because of what you did on the cross. Thank you for loving me. Welcome to the driver's seat. Let's go. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. 
For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.